Ciao Michi, it's Alexa, and welcome to my podcast, a space to motivate and inspire you to make positive changes in your life. We talk everything, health, wellness, mindset, lifestyle, and more. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Ciao, ciao, ciao. (laughs) I am so excited to have a special guest here. You can tell my enthusiasm is out of this world. (laughs) Her name is Lana and she treated me with acupuncture last summer and she was actually in my book, Power to Persevere. I I don't talk about that book at all on this podcast or let's, I have it right there. Oh, you do? That's so cute. That, I love that. Um, but yeah, I, you guys should go pick up a copy on Amazon, Power to Persevere. Um, but Lana has been through some trauma as well, like me and like a lot of other people who have been on the pod. And I just feel like her energy and her voice needs to be heard in real time and needs to be recorded and it needs to be dispersed. <laughs> um, so let's just jump in, Lana. Introduce You're yourself. So kind. <laughs> Introduce yourself. You're, how you got to where you are today? What you do? Where you're working? Where you're living? Yeah. <laughs> where you went to school? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. It's always such an honor when people like want to interview and, like you said, get my information out there like that's so kind I'm really excited to be on it and like hear what people have to say but yeah my name is Lana Stacy <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have COVID I just had to cough um my name is Lana Stacy I am a licensed acupuncturist in New York City and I have been in practice for a few years now I am a Jersey girl proud of it I actually have ties to Alexa through Fordham. Yes. Our alumni there. Um, and my younger sister was in school with her. So that is pretty cool that we have that connection. And yeah, I was lucky enough to be, I think we did our book interview first before I treated you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's- You're like, oh, I'm working. Or no, I just went to Shen. Shen yeah. is an acupuncture place here yeah. in the city. I went to Shen and you were my acupuncturist. I had no idea. I just called in and scheduled and I'm like, oh, I'm coming in this day. I'm like, oh, Lana? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like in that, life? <laughs> it was so cool. So we, that's how we were introduced. So I had the honor of being interviewed for your book, which you guys should definitely check out. It's an amazing just like, especially for young people who are just starting out in life and sharing such inspirational stories. Like, so that's how we met. And I had the honor of treating you as well. And, um, just like talking all things health and wellness, which has been fun. And yeah, you said, so you want me to talk a little bit about like how I got into acupuncture? Let's jump into it. Let's hear a little bit about your story, a little preface and Let's just talk about acupuncture. I would love that. Yeah, so I was actually, because we can definitely talk about like my recovery journey, but I was actually introduced to acupuncture even before all of that when I was, I think, I guess when I was going through that, but um, when I was like 15, 
maybe 16 years old. I was like sick all the time and I had mono twice in high school. I was constantly getting sinus infections, constantly getting urinary tract infections. I was just like a very sickly kid. And um, I was never getting my period. I was getting it once like every six to seven months. And I tried birth control. I didn't feel good on it emotionally, so I came off. Um, I tried a few medications, same thing, didn't really have good results with it. And um, I did see a few doctors, and I just want to make the disclaimer before I go into my bad experience. I am not anti-Western medicine. I think a lot of acupuncturists get a bad rap because there are people out. A lot of people in my field are very like, Eastern medicine is better. Like Western medicine sucks. And I'm definitely, I think there's a time and place for both. Yeah, definitely um, agree. But I will say with chronic conditions, I think Western medicine does fall really short with like emergency medicine, trauma, like surgery, that's where it excels. But for chronic and progressive illnesses, I think it's not very well managed a lot of time because people usually get tossed around from specialist to specialist. So like for me, I was diagnosed with something called interstitial cystitis, which basically is just a fancy word for inflammation in your bladder, right? It's basically this just like non-diagnosis. And I constantly felt like I had a urinary infection when I didn't, like just that burning sensation. Mm. It's so painful since I was like a kid. Yeah. And growing up, I was kind of just tossed from like a gynecologist to a urologist, to a urogynecologist, to a pelvic floor physical therapist. And mm -hmm. I would get temporary relief, but nobody really knew like what was going on or how to help it so I was on what I call like the medical hamster wheel where you're just like stuck in this medical cycle of like going around looking for answers but not getting answers and trying like medication and physical therapy you know it's just like nothing is giving relief yeah and I was in that cycle from a really young age and it wasn't until I discovered and I think what it was upsetting too is you'd wait like an hour to get into the doctor. And then also you can cut me off from talking too much, but like I'd wait an hour to get into the doctor's office <clears throat> and then you're like in and out in five minutes and you'll get to ask questions. They're yeah. not like talking to you about the trauma yeah. that you're experiencing of being in chronic pain. You know, like nobody once acknowledged how traumatic it was to like be a young woman and like have a reproductive part being pain, you know, like that affects like how you view yourself as a woman. Like it affected the clothes that I would wear, like the underwear that I'd wear, like sexual encounters. Like it just affected so many areas in my life. And that was never like addressed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I had this one doctor who was like, just abstain from sex for like three months. And I was like, I'm like, I don't know. I was like, who would tell like a young adult that? Like, it's not that I couldn't, but he just had no concept of like my personal experience in life and so it was really disheartening I remember I'd leave the doctor's office and just like cry from these yeah. diagnoses and what they said and I remember when I met my acupuncturist it was just like a breath of fresh air her name's Danielle Cerrone she practices in um, Spring Lake New Jersey she's amazing and it was the total opposite like she sat down and was just like tell me about your life you know we had like a full hour where I just told her like all my symptoms, how they affected me, things I didn't think mattered about, like family experience and trauma growing up and things like that. And it was, I was like, wow, I actually have a connection with my healthcare provider. Mm. You know, she actually knows who I am. And that was my first draw to Chinese medicine was like the relationship that I got to form with a 
healthcare professional because I think that's kind of rare based in our like capitalistic like model of healthcare where doctors have to turn out a lot in order to make money. So it was nice to get that opposite side of it. And uh, I just fell in love with it right away. Like at first it was pretty superficial. I just loved the ambience of it. Like I loved the incense she would burn and like the Chinese music she would play and um, the way the essential oils smell like the eucalyptus. Like I just loved in a very superficial way all of that and I fell in love with Chinese culture and philosophy. But I remember what really hooked me was I wasn't, I thought it was kind of like witchcraft at first, right? I was like, this isn't doing anything. You're sticking me with a tiny needle. Nothing's happening because I wasn't treating anything that you would notice immediate results from. But I remember I went in for one treatment specifically to treat my amenorrhea, which as you know, is absence of period for more than three months. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was probably at this point I hadn't gotten it for seven months. And she was like, Again, I want to shout her name out again. She's amazing. Danielle Sarone in New Jersey. Um, she was like, okay, we're going to induce your period today. And I was like, okay. No, right? Like, Let's like backtrack. Yeah. What do you usually do with acupuncture? Just tell the audience what's going on in the body, what you look for, you know, the pulse, the tongue, like how is it all interconnected? All the, the channels, the chi, because... I think a lot of people aren't aware that we're all this one system and even me being treated with acupuncture, there have been times where I don't feel it, but then there are times where I'll feel it maybe that night or I'll feel it immediately and I knock out the whole session because it relaxes me or I'll feel legit energy moving throughout my body and like nerves twitching, muscles twitching. It's insane. So just like walk everyone through what happens during an acupuncture session. Yeah, totally. No, I didn't mean to get you off track. The point of that story was she basically made me get my period. She induced it like within an hour. So that that hooked me. And and that's a great example of, like you said, how some things work right away and others, they take time because it really depends what you're treating. Um, But I get asked that all the time at work is like, how does it work? What are the needles doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Why am I feeling some at some point? So well, let's kind of just start from like what acupuncture is even. Yeah. So acupuncture is the insertion of very fine needles about the width of like a cat whisker or hair um, into certain points in the body that are along specific, what we call channels. And the purpose of needling into these points in the channels is to basically restore balance in the body And an imbalance basically looks like a blockage in one of the channels. So when there's blockage, there's a saying in Chinese medicine, when there's pain, there's blockage. When there's blockage, there's pain. So basically any like ailment or disease or sickness or chronic pain is a result of a type of what we would call a blockage or an obstruction in the channel or something's just not flowing correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can think of the channels as um, like the bloodstream, as your nervous system. It's not that we're needling into either of those, but just the way those run throughout the entire body. Those are similar to what acupuncture channels look like. They run through the whole body. Um, each organ has a channel. So when we're working with internal medicine, we can kind of tap into what we call the chi 
or the energy of that organ through the channel. So the points are basically our way of accessing the inner workings of the body and helping to restore balance. Uh, and yeah, so it's kind of like the basics of what it is. And in terms of how things are connected, like what you would be feeling, some people will feel a sensation at the needle. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a good thing. From a Chinese point of view, we call that the chi, which is that like chi sensation coming to the point that's saying, you know, it's working. Like a pull. Or like a yeah, pull. exactly. It's like a yeah. grab. And one of my teachers described it as like a, um, you know, when you're fishing and you feel the, the fish grab the pole. That's kind of like what it feels like when we're needling. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're actually feeling from a Western point of view is the fascia, which is connective mm-hmm. tissue. It's basically, for those of you who don't know, um, when I've done cadavers before, they're like, not cadavers, but uh, dissections. It's almost like a cobweb-like material that's over everything, our muscles, organs. It covers our whole body. So when you feel that sensation when the needle is going in, it's basically the connective tissue or the muscle like grabbing onto the needle. And because of the nature of fascia, like let's say there's a point on our elbow, we need a point there, you might feel it travel along that fascial pathway. And usually these pathways travel along the same way the acupuncture channels do. So these kind of are just like two different ways of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll feel sometimes movement, like you might feel it go down the arm or down the leg because that's how the connective tissue works. But it's really cool that they were able to identify these things like thousands of years ago Yeah, in Chinese medicine. I remember there's this one time, well, I'm usually getting pinned my hand, my feet, my legs, my like my scalp, my ears, but there was this one time I got a needle put into a certain part part of my leg and halfway through the session, I felt so much energy travel through like my fascia, my, my muscle nerve was just moving like crazy. And then it dissipated. And then I asked my acupuncturist, it wasn't you at the time, it was someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was Paige. Paige is also a boss. Um, she runs Shen Medicine, or does she does she have ties in Manhattan still, or she's just in Texas now? I'm unsure because it's still on her website. Yeah, um, I haven't talked to her too much, but um, it's still on her website. But I think right now she's mainly in Nashville. Yeah. Definitely, she's there. Um, but. Paige was the one who I got introduced to with acupuncture. She helped me with my period. Mm. And like there's, I think after the first time I went, I got my period right away. It was like insane. And like, I felt like so like nauseous and a lot of cramping. I'm like, what's going on? And then my period came like, whoa, what's got, whoa, like just amazing. Um, but there was a certain point in my leg and then I asked, like, that, that was kind of freaking out. I asked the acupuncturist, what is going on here? And it was like a blood channel. But that channel was, I guess, working to supply blood to my uterus. Oh, it was probably stomach 36 or spleen 10. These are, these are just acupuncture points that we named them. But yeah, that's like <clears throat> the points usually that people need for something are the ones they feel the most. Yeah which is really cool. And it's not uncommon for people to feel, like you said, rushes of energy or something like I felt things moving around my body. A lot of times when I've treated digestion, people like will hear gurgling in their stomach, like right after I'm done needling. So it really can like in real time see these metabolic changes happening, which is so cool. 
It is. And there was this one time I was treated on my back. You might have treated me on my back too. Mm-hmm. And like I felt a lot of like tension, but a good type of tension and pressure down by my kidneys, but that was more so working for my menstrual cycle, I believe. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah. All these channels run through different organs and things like that. So it's that's how we treat internal medicine. And like on the energy point, I find this to be interesting because I'm now starting to have some correlations with Reiki. Because when I was doing Reiki with someone, when someone was practicing Reiki on me, I was also feeling energy moving. So when you're doing acupuncture, is there a similarity to Reiki and to moving energy? And like, how are you working through trauma with acupuncture? How are certain energy points hindered or affected through emotions? Like it's not just all physical, like energy is definitely emotional too. Totally. No, that's a great question. So um, to answer it, I'm going to say a common um, slogan, if you're in the Chinese medicine field that I hear a lot, is they say acupuncture is the lazy man's um, qigong. That's the phrase. And what that means is qigong is the practice similar to Reiki, but you're doing it on yourself. Where um, Are you familiar with qigong, Alexa? No, I'm, I'm not. I, I, like, I've heard of yeah before, but I've never practiced or done anything with it. Yeah, it basically, I feel like people in the city have seen people in the park practice it. It's usually like these old ladies and they're moving. Oh, that's what Qigong is? Oh, and okay. they're doing these like rhythmic movements and it's usually, the, the movements are always tied with the breath. It's kind of like moving meditation. Is it like Tai Chi? Is it the same thing? Yeah, so great question. Qigong is kind of some, if there's some martial art people on here, they might say I'm wrong, but um, Qigong is kind of the origin of a lot of martial arts. And from that stems things like Tai Chi. Oh, okay. Kula, um, and then you kind of get into more like hardcore ones like jujitsu and things like that. But they all stem from the principles of Qigong. And Qigong is basically translated as chi work. So you're just moving your own chi through your breath because breath is life. And the best way to move our chi, our energy, is just through the breath, like bringing awareness in our breath into like, let's say, you know, someone's having um, like period cramps, like breathing into that area, Mm -hmm. like bringing awareness to the cramps so that it feels like creating that mental space. So Qigong is basically just like moving your own chi. So that's where that phrase comes from. Acupuncture is the lazy man's Qigong. It's not that people are lazy. Most people don't know how to like move their own chi. It takes a long time to learn that. Um, But what people do in Qigong is what we do on others with acupuncture similar to reiki where it's like Mm -hmm. i'm needling with people's breath sometimes and instead of my breathe in and then quickly breathe out and then the the point exactly and instead of using my hands i'm just using my needle um which is helpful for like physical stuff too just because needle can get into the muscles but Mm -hmm. and that's it's the same principle where we're moving chi like reiki removes blockages in the body we're just doing it with a different tool yeah great analogy so how do you feel the chi in the body? Like, what are the modalities you use? When I'm treating people? When you're treating people, yeah. Like, how do you know what points to put in? How do you know, 
on a holistic level, what's going on with the person. And do you know, like, would you be able to tell their deepest and darkest secrets in a sense by like just reading their pulse and their points? Yes. So I love this question. so different for every acupuncturist. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because just like a therapist or a doctor, every acupuncturist goes through a very specific training at a different school. And each school teaches you different paradigms to work along. So for example, there's a school in Florida called, um, it's like a five element. It's like a famous five element school and five element acupuncture works with the elements, which is very esoteric. And it's kind of, they remind me of sort of like Myers-Briggs personalities where like you have your wood people and your fire and your earth and you treat in a very esoteric way. Whereas we're like where I went to school, there's a lot of trigger point therapy, which is very like, um, heavily into like muscles and working along that. So it really depends. So for me, most acupuncturists traditionally will look at the tongue, they'll look at the pulse because Mm -hmm. that will tell us about the body. So if you Google like acupuncture and tongue, you'll see there's different areas that correspond to different organs. We're looking at like, what color is the tongue? Is it purple? Is it red? Is the tip red? That's the heart. That means there's heat in the heart or like the sides pale. That could be a blood deficiency. So there's so many things that the tongue can tell us, such as one form of, it's the same way we go to the doctor and you get an MRI. You know, these are like our tools that we're yeah. using to diagnose. And then the other one is the pulse, which again tells us about the organs. And we're not really feeling for the rate as much as the rhythm of it. So what I love about acupuncture is it's a very artistic form of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like this cut and dry black and white, like, yes, no, you have it. You don't have it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like well, the pulse is a great example <clears throat> because we're feeling for the rhythm of it. So it's a very, like, I don't even feel like I'm that great at it. I'm not, that's not my strong suit is pulse reading, but there are some pulse readers who claim they like know all these things about your life just from feeling your pulse. So they're feeling for, is it slippery? And that a slippery yeah. pulse feels like marbles and oil that makes sense just like really like bubbly over the fingers whereas a wiry pulse will feel like a guitar string so it's really cool the way they describe all these different pulses they mean such different things and I used to think it was bs but after feeling so many pulses over the years I'm like wow people really there's a lot in the pulse so it it depends on the person I don't rely too much on the pulse I'm very palpation based and what that means is me just like putting my hands on people's bodies and feeling like where are there are areas of deficiency so like are there areas in the body where my hands just kind of cave into where are there areas of excess where my hands like stop when I'm on the body I'm feeling for tight muscles I'm feeling along the channels so which t- brings me to your next question um how do I know what points to do like how do I feel them and that was one of the hardest things in school was feeling for the point yeah right? because you'll learn it there's a system of measurement called soon it's spelled like c-u-n mm-hmm. and soon measurements are basically they're ratioed for each port like each person so one soon on me is going to be much smaller than one soon on a big like six foot tall man you know mm-hmm. but there's ways to measure it so a quick example is um there's one called lung or large intestine five, and it's right in what's called the anatomical snuff box. So I'm going to just show you since we're on video, if you kind of make that flexor thumb thing, 
that little divot in the thumb. So there's like landmarks that will go off of to be like, okay, that's the point. But the point is slightly, they actually even change every day, like where it's located, like by a few, like a centimeter or something. So what we do is we find the general area through these memorized point locations, but then we're feeling really subtle changes in tissue. And it's something that took me years to develop mm -hmm. this skill where I'll like, for example, if I'm trying to find this point on the wrist, I'm kind of like gently sliding my finger along. And then I'll just feel it fall into the point. And I, I know where it is based on the textbooks, but yeah. then actually going in and feeling that change in tissue. And again, this was something I'm like, my teachers are making this up. People are making this up. There's no change at all. But now after doing it for so long, I'm like, oh my God, I totally, I've just developed that like sensitivity in my fingers mm. where I can feel it. So that's like how we find the points. But then in terms of which we choose, again, it totally depends on the perspective and way the acupuncturist is trained. Mm -hmm. So for me, I do, I kind of integrate traditional Chinese medicine with trigger point therapy, which is a little bit more of like a westernized version of it. Uh, and oh, that was my cat. Um, the, <laughs> for traditional Chinese medicine, we're looking at, uh, let's say someone comes in and they have digestive issues. We're looking at what organs are affected. Maybe it's the spleen and stomach, maybe it's the large intestine. So through a series of, we get a lot of our information from intake, just talking to people and what their symptoms are is help, what helps us to diagnose. Mm. And our key diagnostic tool is really intake. And that's the nice thing is unlike where some people need like tests and blood work and all this stuff, we can get so much information just from intake. Mm. And understanding the nuanced differences in symptoms. So one person could have constipation due to what we would call like a spleen chi deficiency. I'm just going to throw out some terms there. Whereas someone else might have it from like a liver chi stagnation. So that's the cool thing too is it's really customized. Um, it's not like a one size fits all. So I, I get the question a lot. Um, what, what herbs are good for constipation? Right. And I'm like, I can't answer that. Like I need to talk to you and look at your tongue and feel your pulse and hear your symptoms because what might be causing constipation for you is a totally different diagnosis for what's causing constipation for someone else. Yeah. Uh, so after kind of going through this intake process, we'll get an idea of a pattern as we call them, which is basically mm -hmm. the diagnosis. And we go from there. We look at, is the person in very general terms, some ways we look at things are, yin and yang that's mm -hmm. like the core of acupuncture everyone says yang but um i learned the proper term is yang yeah. so when i hear yang I'm like oh it's like nails on a chalkboard but um it, i used to call it yang too uh, so <laughs> yin being, exactly so yin being uh like the feminine side if you will it's like still it's uh, black, darkness, cold, um, cool temperature. You can think of like water, whereas yang is fire energy. It's that more masculine component. It's movement, like the opposite of stillness. So we look at these two traits in the body and we're like, okay, what's in excess? What's deficient? What's out of balance? Is there like not enough yin? Is there too much yang? That's the really like the basic way of understanding acupuncture as this imbalance of yin and yang. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So what if someone's not balanced in their feminine and in their yin? 
and uh, then for the young, like they're more fiery. How do you, how can you pick that up? What are the channels that determine what they need help in? Yeah, those, this is a great question because I realize a lot of these terms are very, like they're not concrete concepts, you know, so it's kind of hard to translate that into, into medicine to people who aren't familiar with the terminology. But so let's say someone has a yin deficiency, which is really common, especially in women, because a main source of yin in the body is blood. So that's like fluids, that's nourishment mm-hmm. in the body. Women tend towards that because we lose blood once a month. Or, or if you're getting your period, you lose your blood once a month. Um, they're good. Uh, so, and there's other things. I mean, a lot of people are deficient because ways to tax in are like overwork. Think of the city, like okay. overworking long hours, like not eating enough, not sleeping enough. Like yeah. sleep is the epitome of yin. So a lot of people are pretty um, yin deficient and yang excess in places like the city. So how I could pick up on that is someone's symptoms of that. So some symptoms of a yin deficiency or like a blood deficiency would be someone is not sleeping well. That's a big giveaway is sleep because that's like peak yin time. Mm-hmm. So if someone's saying they have insomnia, whether they have a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep, maybe they feel kind of lightheaded when they stand up. Um, they might have really bad anxiety, right? Because yin, we say like anchors the spirit, mm. what we call the shen, the spirit. So if someone's yin deficient, they might have really bad heart palpitations or racing thoughts, um, might feel really restless, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have that yin to anchor them. So these are kind of traits of what that might look like and would start to tell me, okay, this person has yin deficiency. Whereas yang, someone would, a yang deficiency could be, um, you know, this is just one example, but could be someone who is really tired all the time. Like they just don't have that fire. They don't have that energy. Like they have really bad fatigue. Mm. They might have like soft stools or they don't have a good digestive system. Um, they feel like a lot of muscle fatigue. So that would tell me, okay, they don't have that energy that they need. That would be like a yang deficiency. So those are the really like basic terms as we get more into organs, we're looking at more specific diagnoses that we learn about. So like, for example, liver cheese stagnation would be someone who's really irritable. They have bad PMS. They get upset really easily or angry. These are all kind of like concepts that we learn in medicine. And then after getting young, we start looking at what organs look like they're involved. So interesting. Mm -hmm. And on the topic of sleep, I've also looked into this a little bit. Um, There are certain hours of the night, if you wake up, it's telling you something. So 3 p.m., I mean, 3 a.m. is a big one. And a lot of people would say, oh, they wake up at 3 a.m. And that has to do with the liver channel. Yes. I'm actually trying to look it up right now, the, the Chinese name for it, because I know exactly what we're talking about it is something that we learn um let's see i just i want to see if i can find the name because it's really interesting i don't want to take up too much time i can't find it but um i think it's wuji it might be anyway so basically what alexa is talking about is there is a one of the 
So we talk about there's channels of acupuncture. There's 12 main organs that we look at. There's lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen, heart, small intestine. Like we, they, that goes on, but those are a lot of the organs. And each of those 12 organs has a two hour time clock. So the Chinese are all about numbers. Like I love the way it's such yeah. a beautiful science. And people are like, oh, it's just like feeling the energy. It's so much more it's than that. More a lot of the art but it's really this concrete science with like an algorithm and if x do y you know like there's really a science to it which i find interesting so one of the great examples is this clock and if you look it up there are so many levels to the clock and the way it relates to yin and yang and the seasons and there's like so many levels to it but basically each organ has a two hour time span in which the chi of that organ is said to be the strongest. That's when the chi is cycling through that organ or channel system. So um, for example, one to three to one to three AM is the liver. That's the last channel in the organ system. So this is a really easy one to think about when someone telling me they were really drunk the night before. They didn't sleep while they woke up around 2, 3 a.m. I'm like, that's your liver, you know? Like, yeah. and it makes sense. I'm like, that's the liver detoxing. Like, you were just drinking. Or a lot of people who are kind of creatives or artists will tell me they feel most creative in those hours. Yes, liver, that's me. <laughs> yeah, the liver. I'm not a night owl, but if I'm accidentally up, yeah, I just get this wave of energy. I'm like, I want to paint. I want to write. I want to do everything. I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> That's the liver. The liver is such a yang. It's like a yin organ, but it's very yang in that it's like the general, it motivates, it drives creative energy. Like that's a really strong organ energetically for creative energy. So from one to three, people might feel a wave of like burst of energy or they're feeling really creative. Um, it, so these things start to help me to, when someone's saying you're not sleeping, I always ask, well, what time do you wake up? Because that's going to tell me a lot about the person. So another example is like from three to 5am. So this is the new cycle is the lung. A lot of times people who are like grieving or going through like a period of sadness will tell me they were like waking up around that time because the emotion of the lung is grief and sadness. Oh, it's interesting. So, yeah. Each, uh, kind of the act of the lungs, if you think if they inhale and the exhale, it's kind of like holding on and letting go like mm -hmm. loss and grief is really poetic but so yeah each I love the clock each organ has a time frame where like she is said to be the strongest so if someone has like deficiency in their heart not that anything's wrong with their actual heart organ just energetically something's off um they might have their peak symptoms around that hour which is mm -hmm. interesting too so that's just like another uh diagnostic tool that we can use when someone's telling us about their symptoms Interesting. And how long does it take for someone to start seeing changes or feel better when they're working with an acupuncturist or when they're working with a Chinese herbalist? Yeah, Alexia, you have such good questions. These are great. These are, I did not come prepared. I know, you like, told me. All of my podcasts, I just go in. I'm like, wherever the conversation goes, that's where it's meant to go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so... This is another question I get asked all the time in treatment. Um, it depends. I hate that answer, but that's the answer for so much in acupuncture. But it depends where you're coming in for. For example, yeah. if 
Oh, well, I do a lot of neck pain. That's kind of what I specialize in. Um, let's say someone slept funny and they woke up with like a kink in their neck. No injuries, no car accidents, just like a really, they woke up one morning, their neck hurt. They probably will feel better in one, maybe two treatments, a really quick fix. Mm-hmm. But if you have someone who has neck pain and they've had it for like five years, like their traps always hurt, it causes tension, migraines, this has been going on a few times a week to every day for like years, if you think about it. I try to put that into perspective, one hour out of the week. It's not that it, it is helpful, but when you put all the hours you've been suffering, it's going to yeah. take time to build up in the body and really start making sustainable changes in the body and yeah. in the muscles. It takes time to unravel that tightness and energy. So that I'd say like might be a few months. Everybody's body is really different. Um, really young people tend to respond like a little bit quicker, like, like teens and kids are really receptive to acupuncture um so it all depends on the person but that's kind of like a good time way to think of it is like how long have you been feeling the symptoms but most people will start to experience if you're with the right person and they're treating you correctly some sort of relief within the first month Mm. and how many times a week should a person go i would typically say once a month for most people once a month oh sorry once a week oh i was like wait I, no, that's I maintenance. Go, I would go like every week. What? Yeah, once a month is when you're in the maintenance phase. You're just going for like tune-ups. You're not really having any flare-ups of what you came in for. But I would say if you're starting, it is so important. I say this all the time at my job to go once a week because if you go sporadically, it's the same way like if you take your medication like not every day, it's not going to work, you know, same thing with herbs. So it's really important for it to build up in the system. It works cumulatively. It's building off previous treatments. It's the most effective when you go consistently, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning. Um, if someone's in a lot of pain, like they can't move their neck or they have really bad endometriosis like pain, I might say maybe come twice, maybe three times if they're in a lot of pain. But aside from that, probably once a week is what I would say. And what advice would you give someone who is skeptical on acupuncture to just try it or to consult with someone to learn a little bit more about it and how it could possibly help their chronic pain yeah so my best advice would be to find someone you vibe with I feel like that is so important in anything whether you're seeing an OB or you're seeing a therapist whoever you're looking for make sure it's someone that you feel comfortable with and you connect with and um, people are skeptical I my best advice is like acupuncture doesn't have negative side effects. Do you know what I mean? It's, I mean, the the one side effect you might feel is occasionally there might be a small bruise or something, but it's not like taking a medication where you like might have like an anaphylactic reaction to it or like have high blood pressure from it. Like it's a really safe method to try, you know, there's, there's not negative side effects. It might work for you and help, or it might not and not cause damage, you know? So that's, that's always my thing is I wish more people that was their first go-to was natural medicine like this, because Mm -hmm. I think most people start in the most extreme intervention of medicine and then they try acupuncture last. And sometimes it's the first thing that works. So I was talking about start simple, less is more sometimes with medicine your body is so resilient and so powerful Mm. um 
that's what I love is giving people a sense of agency back in their healthcare. Like I'm not just giving them a pill and saying, take this. I'm like, here's how you will heal yourself, you know? So I'd say if you want to be like empowered in your healthcare and feeling better, definitely try acupuncture. It's such a safe, natural method to try. And where can people find you and connect with you? Great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I So as a quick aside, I do house calls in New York City. Um, I go to people's homes. I started doing that because of COVID. So that's been like a really fun thing to do is just having that one-on-one time in the privacy of people's homes. But um, you can find me on Instagram. It is my name, lana.stacy.acupuncture. And I feel like you usually link people's stuff. So I yeah. wasn't going to spell it out, but yeah. No notes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lana.stacy.acupuncture is my Instagram and my website is just lanastacyacupuncture.com and my phone number is on there, my email address. Like I mean, most people connect with me through Instagram, but that is how you can find me. Amazing. Lana, thank you so much for coming on. This was so informative and I hope it kind of gave people or our listeners, a little different perspective on another holistic way of healing. Because acupuncture has worked for me. Um, I was I was doing it a lot when I just finished chemotherapy. And that in itself was a whole entire different monster. <laughs> yeah. And I like... I don't know if it was really working how I, I wanted it to, but I think that's just because I was going through a lot emotionally. There were other things going on. Um, but I did notice that when I was going to the sessions, it really calmed down my sympathetic nervous system. It wasn't working the things that I wanted to work maybe very slowly and it was going to in a very long period of time, but it was kicking in some sort of thing where my body like needed to heal like, yeah. it, for people who, who are, are not familiar with chemotherapy, but you're literally getting infused with atomic bombs in your body. Yeah. So acupuncture did calm me down so I could sleep and rest from everything that I went through. Um, but previous to that, when I was also in high school, I would go to acupuncture for my period. And I guess just like, you know, us young adults, kids, they're a little irregular. And um, acupuncture would help me. I would always get it when I was consistent with my acupuncture. Sometimes, even if I just went for one month, and I'm like, whoa. So highly suggest acupuncture. It You have to just be patient with it and trust the process. Yeah, thanks, Alexa. Thank you of so much course. for sharing your experience. You're such a great advocate for the field. Of course. All right, ciao, everyone. Bye.